Bill finally gave the Ringers Philly crew a podcast. I'm Ben Solak. And I'm Shiel Kapadia. That's right. Just a couple Philly guys with a new space to fire off some Eagles takes, get caught up in the Sixers chaos and more. We'll be coming to you twice a week on Sundays and Thursdays, plus bonus episodes whenever we get breaking news or Philly drama. Plus when Harden and Embiid somehow convince you suckers that this year is going to be different, our fellow Philly stands at the Ringer will have you covered on the Sixers and all your other favorite teams in town. It's Philly Sports Shield. What could possibly go wrong? Join the fun and follow the Ringer's Philly special now on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes has arrived in IMAX. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. Stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Welcome to Thursday's podcast of Sports Cards Nonsense. It's your boy, Sports Boy. Welcome, Jesse. Oh, thanks, Sports Boy. I appreciate it. There's actually two of us here. Sports Boy and Jesse are going to be doing the show, so it doesn't seem as lonely. Um, I'm not going to lie. Doing a solo podcast is not the best thing in the world, uh, only because... Who are you riffing off of? You know, like, who am I going to make fun of? I'm not making fun of me. So that's why Jesse has joined us for a sports boys solo show. Uh, all that being said, it's a pleasure to be with you guys. What a, what a heck of a beginning to NBA season. Am I right? I know what you're thinking to yourself. What's he doing? Why is he doing this to himself? He's only going to embarrass himself. Not true. Not True. We may or may not have a guest. I won't be solo the whole time, all right? So all of those cringing in the background, which you shouldn't be because we have fun here. But if you were, don't you worry about it. We're going to have a special guest, like uh, we mentioned on Monday's show. Chris Hoge from Card Ladder will be joining us uh, about maybe 10 minutes from now. And we may or may not have a brief special guest in between then. So what does that mean? That means I only have a few minutes to talk to you solo. Really? That's really all I'm going to get. So as sports boy, uh, we, you guys should know a few things about me. Let's just, let's just riff for a second. How about that? Um, I've been really into my new pixel seven pro phone and the pixel watch. Okay. That's all I'm going to say about it. But as an Android user, you have to make a stand. Like you have to promote it. Everyone's always Apple, Apple, whatever. You know, if you're an Android person, go out and get this. I am absolutely in love with it. I'm having a lot of fun. Um, I am also having a lot of fun setting up all my apps. And when I did that, 
I realized, man, I have so many like Bloomberg updates, like uh, uh, Fidelity. Um, what is it? Uh, think, uh, think or swim platform. I'm realizing like, all my investment platforms, I used to check them nonstop. But when we did the podcast, it was like, well, now I'm getting more into sports cars. I'm going to start checking pricing on those things. But recently I have noticed that I've been swinging a little bit more towards the investment side again, as far as like just how the market is performing. Cause I have found so much correlation between what's going on in the market and what is inevitably happening in sports card pricing and things like that. And I found that I could tie a little bit of this information together. There was someone who made a comment. Uh, so there was a Facebook uh, post in the Facebook group, which here's the thing. I totally appreciate this before I say anything about it. I appreciate fair criticism. And that's what it was. It was basically just like, Hey, I don't know about Jesse's take on MLB pricing and things like that. You know what? Love it or hate it. I, I mean, I think I did some okay research as far as like basing it on purely statistical information, not real performance, not fan love, not real hype around the person. And then of course I do that with Mike here as a buffer so he can provide any updates that maybe I'm not thinking about or something like that. So, uh, but with all that criticism, criticism, uh, fair criticism to be fair, uh, there was a couple points about how I have uh, made more comments about like the market relation uh, to what, what card prices are doing with the market. And maybe I'm being a little too positive. I would like to say the reason why I'm positive right now is because this is the time when, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and admit I'm going, I am going positive again, but it, it is be for a reason. So a lot of times when market dips, when the whole market starts taking a real negative attitude, that's when you have to be, and this is where, you know, I don't want to say good investors because I'm not saying I'm a good investor. I've made plenty of mistakes, but this is where investors start looking for buy opportunities because the rest of the market's saying, no, it's going down. When like the big guys, the big hedge funds, the one who have lots of money, they come in and start buying things when prices are down. That's the great time to buy. And they know that the rest of the market has such a negative attitude towards it. They're going to continue to sell or at least not buy in. So it gives them not only the price point that they want, but they also have a lower uh, entry or an easier entry into the market because there's basically more product to get. I think you can make a similar argument with the card space. And that's where that stance comes from. Um, Doing a little research beforehand. I've talked about this before as far as like inflation's effect with collectibles and how uh, historically speaking collectibles do well as far as like an inflationary hedge. Cause they go up as inflation goes up. Um, I also found this interesting credit Suisse. Uh, it's a financial company if you you're not familiar, but they were talking about uh, how you should, how every portfolio should have a collectible asset portion of their investment. So Again, this is, I'm talking about all this in the sense of like, I think that they are, there are really good investments right now. And there's also like some really risky ones at the same time. And even that Credit Suisse article, they talked about how there's basically two kinds. There's uh, stores of value and risk assets. So stores of value being basically just things that you can invest in right now that would be less 
harmful. Uh, I, I would liken that to maybe more veteran players, maybe more vintage, maybe more of a goat play. Um, whereas your higher risk are going to be your rookies, guys who have not proven themselves, uh, things like that. Overall, I, I still warn uh, to be cautious. I still warn that uh, this is not necessarily a market for everyone to throw their money into, even because there are good prices. I just say, keep an eye out. And especially no matter what, if you are a collector, that's that's a whole one of the key things that's great about investing in collectibles is because you're doing you get to have fun at the same time. You the basically the fun of it, easy access, the the fact that you can uh, actually have a tangible asset. These are all like pros in the collecting as an investable category, according to Forbes, you know, like so. Don't don't think of it as like, oh, I'm only doing this for the money. You know, you can enjoy it at the same time. Um, but again, I just warned to be careful. So that's that's my overall comment on me being overly positive in the market. It just it comes from the investor side of me and seeing good buy opportunities. Okay. That's sports boy. Actually, was that Jesse? I think that was Jesse talking. That was less sports boy and more Jesse talking right then. Um, Chris McGill. Uh, has joined us from Card Ladder. In fact, Chris, what would you say about before you come on, give me a minute, because here's the thing. I did promise the people I was going to call, make a a quick phone call, and then I was going to have you on. Now, I'm not going to say who I'm calling. You'll just have to be there and find out. Go for Jesse. Well, well, well. If it isn't, Mikey boy, Geo, the man, the myth, the legend in Maine, moose everywhere. How are you, bud? So you're calling at 1213. You signed on at 12. So your opening segment, how did that go? Well, four or five minutes? So would you cancel it? <laughs> how did that go? You know what you need to worry about? How, how's that fire doing? You guys have a, a hot fire stove. Don't worry about what's going on here. This is just a... This is a bonus for the people who weren't expecting to hear Mike Geo's voice. I'm going to give you a quick update. Let's so we're in Rockwood, Maine. The scenery, let me start with the good. The scenery is unbelievable. Ooh, the scenery. lake, the, the mountains, beautiful. A couple things that stood out to me and Hannah. Number one, we've got a wood, fi- wood fire, is that what you would call this? Wood burning stove uh, with a book of matches. I don't know if I've ever lit a match that way in my life. I'm being honest with you. <laughs> Hannah had to do it for me. You can hear her murmuring in the background about it. Adorable. Uh, there's a there's a flume, a flu, flu. You knew the word, a flu. There's a flu on there. I think we had that closed originally. Got a little smoky in here, which helped us detect that the smoke detectors don't work because this son of a gun was just about on <laughs> on fire. That's okay. Um, we also went to check in at the office. Had a couple questions. Number one, could we get a key to the cabin? She let us know, oh, no, there's no locks on any of the doors here. Nothing. (laughs) You brought your your family shotgun with you, right, on the plane to protect yourselves (laughs) there? Naturally. Naturally, you would. Wow. So that was question number one. Question number two, where do we go uh, hiking to see a moose? She literally laughed at me (laughs) and said, "Oh, oh, you can't go in the woods right now. It's hunting season, and you're wearing a brown coat. I wouldn't step foot in any woods anywhere. I wouldn't get out of my car, <laughs> sir. Go back in a vehicle. <laughs> Meanwhile, Hannah's wearing a sweater from Draper James. 
Oh man. Well, you know what? You're not, you're not missing um, a whole lot going on here yet because we are Chris McGill just joined. In fact, uh, we haven't gotten into the meat of today's episode. I didn't even do a rundown because I was like, you know what? Mike's not here. It won't annoy him. So it's just like a, you know, I don't want to say plain Jane day. I'm actually underselling it. It's being, a, it's so far an amazing episode, but, um, but really you're not missing a lot. I want you to enjoy. I want you to relax, you know, scenery, moose it up. If you can, without getting killed, do all your thing. The other favorite part I'll end with this. I said, okay, so no hiking, but where would be the best place to go to just see a moose? Cause Hannah, Hannah has always wanted to see a moose, never seen one. Her exact response the only place you'll see a moose is laying on a trail dead with its tongue out because it just cuts you. <laughs> That's when I knew. <laughs> That's not an exaggeration. Uh, I do have some pertinent information for Chris. Question. I need to know his thoughts on Paolo, Pablo, whatever the guy is, the rookie in New York for the Orlando Magic. A dude went off last night. We will be talking about him. Is he going to redeem him. the class? Zion Williamson. Oh, we're going to talk about him. Yep. I'll let you know if I don't have them on my list of people to talk about. Okay, let me keep going then. Ben Simmons. All right. <laughs> ben Simmons. You mean with his five points? Yeah, sure. We're going to talk about him too. Okay. I mean, you're, so you're prepped. You're ready to go today. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not saying that like I'm going to be the best version of Sports Boy you've ever seen, but I'm not going to say he's no better than the best, so no worse. I am curious to know too about Tua. Tua might be starting Sunday. Oh, I don't have any Very NFL on the books, so that no, you know no, what? You don't, don't don't change it. That's <laughs> not for you to change. That's just for me to talk. It's just me and you talking. But I am very curious if people listened and actually just put their Tua stuff away. Um, oh, by the way, this is a little headline I read today too. This is what got me talking about that the kid on the Magic. I think it's Paolo. Uh, it is Paolo, Paolo Banchero. Banchero. It's a cuh, not a cha. I made the same mistake. That's okay. Now, granted, they're playing, I mean, they're playing against the Pistons who are, you know, a very subpar team, although maybe not with their talent. The dude put up 27-9-5 and at his debut, a debut we've not seen since, get this, your boy LeBron James. I mean, the no Magic team, are they going to be the sleeper? They got him and Cole Anthony. Cole Anthony's breaking cards all the time, too. He's a, he's a card-ripping guy. Maybe the Magic make a jump this year. I'm excited. You know what? You're going to have to, you're going to have a great time listening to this episode because we're going to talk all about that. We're going to talk about not only the 2022, 23 rookies that are just in, but we're going to talk about how they're stacking up against the 21, 22 rookies like Cade, Cade and Jaden on the Pistons against uh, Paolo. I mean, they weren't doing anything to make me more impressed uh, that they were, you know, the all-stars of last year's rookie class. I'll tell you that much. And you know what? I'm going to get Chris's take on that, but I'm really glad that you called in, Mike. Thank you so much for joining us. I have two other things I have to mention. Number one, I'm I'm, I'm strongly I picked up off the waiver wire Bailey Zappi for my fantasy team. Considering staff, starting BZ, very excited about that. And I bought three more cases of Panini three and two. I am doubling down. I think that's going to be the best product of the year. And I'm pretty sure Panini sent us some, so we're going to open some on the podcast either Monday or Thursday next week. That is awesome. I have nothing else to tell you. Oh, and they got a bunch of, so they have, I, I was supposed to get some NFTs from them too, so I could go for on a vacation, but I did not receive those yet. So that's it. Have fun with Chris. 
They said they will be having those in the next 10 days. Um, Thank you, Michael Giuseppe, with a special report out of Maine. Be careful out there. Don't burn your house down and continue to relax and have fun. Thanks so much, Michael. Keep being a moose, buddy. You're dominating. Bye-bye. All right. There was your special guest uh, for the moment. I don't want to say most special guests will have, but he was a special guest on today's episode. Michael Giuseppe, Michael Paul, thank you so much. Chris McGill from Card Ladder is now with us. It's like back-to-back guests. When Sports Boys run in the show, he leaves no dead time. There's no dead air because we want to provide value. Chris McGill of Card Ladder, how in the world are you? Jesse, I'm, I'm well. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, there is a comment that Mike wants me to make to you to stir some, stir some pot, if you will. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I want to do that because talking to you is an absolute pleasure when I'm not being interrupted or made to feel less than not that anybody would ever have done that before. (laughs) I miss him so much. That empty chair. Also, Jesse, while we're just on this topic, I've been privilege to watch you navigate production, phone calls, patching people in and out, controlling the soundboard, and providing insight and commentary. I can tell you that is not easy to do all those things, let alone do them all at once. Oh my goodness. This is turning (laughs) into quite the episode. I think actually, I think Mike just called in. I think he had another comment. This is as good an episode as we've had in months, I would say. Oh my, did you? He called back in just to say that. So, wow, you two, <laughs> calm down. Oh, we're having fun. The only thing that would be better if we had another special guest. JJ John Ah, no, dang, he can't be here though. Actually, he wanted to be next time. Uh, Chris, I have asked you to join not only because we like to have you on once a month just to talk about the the state of the market, which. That's the first thing I was hoping we could do. But second thing is to talk NBA. A little bit of sneak preview with what Mike was discussing earlier. But I think that maybe I'm more excited than I thought I was going to be for NBA. I don't want to. I don't want to say anything that's going to make me feel like a real dummy later in the comment section of any social media thread. But I think that I may be excited about the rookie class now. That just because that and, and it's all purely hype over one player, the other players I looked into, you know, they, they did okay. Some of them did better than others. Uh, but, but that's, that's neither here nor there. That's something I want to get into just giving you a heads up and the listener heads up. Let's talk a little bit about the market first, the card market in general, as what we feel is the number one card market, uh, card pricing and lookup tool and cataloging your own collection tool. What do, what are your thoughts right now? You know, in sports, there's like two camps, right? You have the eye test camp and you have the analytics camp and they don't always agree with each other, but a good sports fan should have some level of command over both. And I'm going to use that same framework to talk about the state of the sports card market. So first let's do an analytics point of view or, you know, uh, an an index-based point of view and sort of look at some of the indexes. So over the last quarter, the Card Letter 50 index, which I think is probably the best quick snapshot you can get of that generic health of the investment-grade cards in the hobby. And just to remind people, that's made up of what? 
it's made up of 50 cards in grades that are highly transacted. So one example is the uh, 86 Fleer Michael Jordan rookie in a PSA nine that that sells multiple times a week. You know, the cards like that, and that that cards on the higher end. There's cards on the lower end too, like the tops tip or the tops traded Barry Bonds PSA ten rookie is in there. You know, which is like around a four hundred to five hundred dollar card. There's a wide range of cards in there, but the key is that they're of iconic athletes. They're iconic releases. They're not super rare. They trade a lot and there's 50 of them. Okay. So a good, a good, uh, uh, smattering of cards throughout the, the hobby, not, and it's not just one sport or anything like that either, but it's something that your average guy in a lot of cases could go out and get and often transaction. Okay. So that, that does, it would make me think that would give a decent indication of what's going on in the market. So continue from there. Exactly. That's, that's, and, and look, nothing, no metric is perfect. I think that goes without saying. But the but the card ladder fifty is up nine percent over the last quarter, so that's good, especially in the context of how in general financial markets are performing right now. I view that as good too, because as a whole for the year, the market is down. Like uh, if you're basing it on the card ladder fifty, it's down like sixteen percent. But to view it in the sense of like, oh, okay, so we we've gone down similar to what you, if you were to look at the S and P 500 or the Dow, it's gone down. It's made some like new lows for this year period, but then we're seeing like a little bit of a bounce back from that. And it sounds like if we see a increase of 6% over the last quarter, then we're seeing a little bit of a bounce back there. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's one of a handful of bullish indicators we have right now for cards. And, you know, it, it's also worth noting that last year and the year before the months of October, November, and December, generally speaking, are in terms of momentum and price fluctuation, they're, they're the three most negative months of the sports card hobby season. Oh, okay. Some speculate that's because of like holiday spending and people sort of cut back on the card budget as they prepare to buy holiday gifts and or take vacations over winter break. And others, though, like myself, are also inclined to think that this overwhelming um, of sports right now, we have baseball playoffs, we have hockey season has started, NBA season has started, and we're about halfway through the NFL season, not quite, but getting close. That overwhelming of sports content makes it difficult to have any extra time to focus on or worry about our cards. So I think all the sports watching that goes on right, right now is, as we're in this sort of, you know, overlap of, of so much pro sports content, it makes it, it takes away time. It takes away hobby and recreation time that we otherwise would spend going to the card shop, going to trade nights, browsing eBay. I think that's a factor too. But by but but inevitably, also over the last two years, by the time we turn the corner, get on a new calendar, January comes, we've seen the largest bull runs in the hobby in Q1 of 2022 and 2021. So, hmm. you know, if 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 those trends continue, Q1 of 2023 will probably more will we'll take back the losses that the market gave 
in Q4 and perhaps, you know, do quite well. Again, th- these are trends. These are not predictions of the future. They're reliving the past, but that's kind of the generic trend that's that's been happening in the last few years. Uh, past performance is not an indicator of future gains. That used to be a motto, I have to say, when I was working in finance. Um, in this case, let's be real, though. Like, could we see another new low in the market? Like, do you think that there's another? Uh, I mean, of course, there's always a possibility for a drop. But you, Chris, take off like the the hat of, you know, wanting to be positive, because that's that's typically me, like as far as like I want to try and see the bright side and things. Do you foresee a another drop or do you think we are in this kind of like low period for a while? Or do you see, uh, do you really predict or, well, I mean, not predict, but do you think that we do see an upturn in say January? Now let's go. So we talked a little bit of analytics. Now let's do eye test. Okay. And I'll use the eye test to be negative. Uh, and, and so you my know negative Mike would take, love this. Yep. <laughs> okay. Let's my do it. My negative take is that as you kind of just survey the landscape of collectors, of content creators, there's a pessimism brewing. And I think it's partially uh, 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 reinforcing or, you know, it's it's sort of a feedback loop that, that we get caught up into. But, you know, people see the overall economy doing poorly. They spend less money in general, including on cards. When they start spending less money on cards, they have less fun because they're not getting all the big and exciting cards that they used to get anymore. And they don't feel as bullish. And, you know, they're not, they're not fully immersing themselves in the hobby because they want to be more conservative and they want to be more careful. Well, then as a result, they feel worse about the hobby. They're not enjoying it as much. It's not as exciting. It's not as exhilarating, which in turn causes them to think accurately that the hobby is performing poorly. And then that makes them tighten up the purse strings even more. And all of a sudden, you've got this negative momentum, this snowball rolling downhill that just it it keeps on getting larger as people look around the hobby and like, oh, this person's not buying cards right now. This person's complaining about, you know, prices coming down or or maybe prices are still too high. Or, and just the, the negativity begets more negativity. And before you know it, there's just a general dissatisfaction in the hobby. And that's it's like a one self-fulfilling of the, prophecy, essentially. Exactly. That's the word I was looking for. And so there's sort of a, there, there's, 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 there's a real risk, I think, especially as prices sort of naturally decline uh, in this season anyway, that there, there, there's a real risk of just, uh, just a lot of negativity piling up and people getting very pessimistic. And I mean, Jesse, we know that this hobby already can get really pessimistic. <laughs> so just no. even on good days. So there, there's there's my negative take. But I think it's a it's a negative take, but it's a healthy take, too, because the like we've talked about for months, if not years of doing the podcast, like a, a healthy market is not one that constantly goes up like it's okay for a market to have ups and downs. And after what we saw last year, it inevitably is going to have a down and we're still experiencing, uh, some would say we maybe we're not at the bottom, but if, if we are, we're experiencing a, a slow upturn from the bottom. And if that's the case, we may not see any kind of like huge price gains. Like some might've been expecting to compensate for that drop. You know, if just because the market's, 
hit a bottom. Sometimes we see in the stock market, oh, it's an overcorrection. We see a bounce back really high. It may not be the case with the the card market because if you look at some of those graphs as far as like historical trends, we are kind of like on pace. If the market continues to have a steady increase, a steady in, uh, increase as far as uh, performance, uh, or I'm sorry, pricing goes, then we're actually in what would probably be a healthier market than if we just had a huge spike up in values on cards. So um, I, I appreciate the, the, the idea on bo- both positive and negative sides of things, Chris, because honestly, when Mike's not here, it's kind of like, I, I honestly do, <laughs> I do want to stay positive, but like when Mike's not here, it's like, oh, I got, I want to be devil's advocate. I want to turn the tables a little bit and maybe talk a little negativity. Um, and that was, you know, I, I do think there's plenty of guys in the audience who are thinking the same thing as far as like. It, there is going to be a downturn because there's the market's not good. I don't have money to spend and therefore it's going to create a, a more negative market. So um, at the same time, if that's the case, if you're feeling that way, think about it in this sense, you have control. Think about like the fact that you can control a, a somewhat portion of the market. All of that being said, I would still encourage even if you think it's positive or even if you think you could control the market in some, some degree, even if it's on, you know, just your own personal level, don't put too much money in the market right now. That's my, that's my overall warning. Just play, you know, play in there, get your investments, get your collectible cards, but don't throw too much money at anything right now. That's, that's my own personal feeling. I don't know about you, Chris. That's a totally fair take. And, you know, on the topic of positivity, a documentary recently came out about Barney. Barney the Dinosaur. Yes, Barney the Dinosaur. I heard about that. I haven't seen it. I heard something about it, though. I haven't seen it. I did read some reviews of it that were really interesting. There was one, I think, from the New Yorker. But basically, the takeaway was, you know, people hated Barney with a visceral, (laughs) you know, just disgust. They, they, They reserved a special hate for Barney because he was too positive. And his solutions to problems were too naive and they were, they were uh, offensive to wow. people who recognize the complexities and the positives and the negatives of everyday life. So there is certainly precedence, and I'll point it uh, to Barney as Exhibit A, too much positivity does not play well with audiences. So I, I always try to remind myself, don't be Barney be tell positives, tell negatives, you know, to try and paint a a nuanced and and well-rounded picture. Well, on that note, I think we can transition into basketball and I think we can definitely, I personally have a few negative notes to make uh, about some 2021, 22 performances right off the gate. Uh, I think this should be a real, hot take like overreaction of what's happening after one game for, for everybody. I I think that that is what our audience is probably expecting at this point is like, what are the hot takes? I I've got some hot negative and positive takes. I don't know about you, but since you are, I, I understand from Christina, your partner in crime, you are a huge NBA uh, guru. What, what's your take right off the bat? Let's not say guru, but nerd okay. is appropriate. All right, that's and, fair. You know, look, 
if we're not doing, if we're not pissing people off, we're not doing hot takes, right? That's right. Exactly. And if we're not saying ridiculous things, then we're not properly overreacting. If Mike hasn't thrown up after listening to this segment of the podcast, (laughs) then we've done something wrong. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, look, we'll start off on a good one because, you know, know, Mike brought it up first. You know, it was Paolo Boncaro's debut last night. Was that the best NBA debut ever? Uh, you know, I don't have the historical grasp to answer that question. All I know is that everyone's comparing him to LeBron's debut. That's and that would indicate to me that he must have done something right. And looking at his stats and a few highlights from last night, it was uh, or uh, yeah, last night it was pretty impressive. Yeah, like Mike said, he had twenty-seven, nine, and five plus two blocks and only four turnovers. And, you know, today, I think he played 35 minutes or so. You know, back in LeBron's era, guys were playing 42, 43 minutes a game. So you have to adjust these guys' numbers based on the far fewer minutes that they play. 61% effective field goal percentage, and they got the win. So, look, here's some overreactions, or maybe not. Yeah. Boncaro is a rookie of the year lock. He He is the best player. No offense to Franz Wagner collectors out there, but he is already the best player on the Orlando Magic. And he's only played one game in a pro uniform outside of the preseason. Franz was the only other, by the way, only other rookie that I like, you know, of the top when you consider like Jalen Green, Scotty Barnes, Kate Cunningham, Evan Mobley. I I looked at those five and Franz, Franz had the, was the best performing of all of them last night. So you, but even still, uh, Paulo did something even more magical. Look, I had, I also had the pleasure to watch him, watch him perform live during the preseason when he came to Dallas and he played the Mavericks. He is a freak. Wow. He is, he is just a spectacular player. And look, he's, he's so underhyped. Like right now, when Benyana is being hyped to the moon, probably deservingly so Zion Williamson was hyped to the moon. Boncaro is the from game one, because we're overreacting here from game one only they won the game and he had 27, nine and five plus two blocks and only four turnovers on 61% effective field goal percentage. That's the best case scenario for <laughs> any prospect. You can't ask for a better debut than that. This guy, you know, everything that we're hoping when Benyana is in his rookie season, everything we hope Zion would have been. Boncaro, is it? He did it. This guy is very special, and I don't know why he's not getting more fanfare. So here's the problem is now I want to invest in him, but there's like, doesn't have any cards. There's no card. <laughs> however, however, there is, um, you know what? Say, take everything I've said earlier in this episode and previous ones, throw it out the window, take all of your money out of your retirement and spend it all on Boncaro. I think that is the obvious choice right now. <laughs> and to do that, you can go out. Uh, apparently someone just bought for $1,400, the 2022 uh, Panini instant card from the draft, the 2022 draft that has like him shaking hands with, you know, someone on the stage that I cannot believe $1,400 for that. Now, granted it was out of 25 and it's a PSA 10, but that's how hot and that just sold like this morning. Apparently that's uh, how, how excited people are about this guy. That's a hot take. Yeah. Well, he was really special. And, uh, and here's a, here's a take uh, guaranteed to piss off Pistons fans, 
and prospectors everywhere. <laughs> yes. Is Bojan Bogdanovic the best player on the Detroit Pistons? Because he was their leading scorer last night, and he certainly looks to be the player who's most at ease in the NBA speed and the NBA setting right now. And yes, I'm aware that they have Cade Cunningham. They have Jaden Ivey. They have an impressive roster of young talents. But Bogdanovich stepped on the floor, led the team in scoring uh, in his first game in a Pistons uniform. You know, I think sometimes, you know, just as I got very high on Von Carroll, uh, at the same time, we can get too high on young players. So what do you think about that, Jesse? Is Will Bojan Bogdanovich, is, is he the best player in the Detroit Pistons right now? I mean, after the first game, yes. Uh, and that, f- therefore, if it happened in one game, then it must be true for the rest of the season. I will say, though, I did make some notes about Jaden Ivey. Uh, I mean, other than like Cade's assists, like Jaden Ivey really outperformed Cade in most other categories. I think if, because here's the problem is like, I am interested in these players, right? Like I'm, I'm listening to this podcast cause I'm interested in sports. I'm interested in, in these players. And therefore I'm also interested in their cards. The problem is, is that all of these new rookies, uh, the, and that's what, you know, guys, a lot of guys are going after are the, the rookies. Cause we see so much hype and fluctuation in pricing where if I get in now and they do turn out to be as great as they were in game one, then I'm going to be able to make a quick profit on a quick flip. So, the only problem is like, what are you doing with Ivy? There's not really much to do there. So you have to look at, okay, well, the only thing I've got are the rookies from last year in Kate. It's like, man, if, if Jaden comes out and he's already outperforming him and Bogdanovich is outperforming, like it, I didn't, I went through, like I said, uh, those, those five rookies from last year. And there wasn't anything that was standing out as far as like an investable player after week one. I don't know about you. I, I do think that Bogdanovich is great, but that that does go into like, okay, well, I don't know if one game is going to do much for someone who's been playing for longer versus one game for a rookie could do something. And that's where I don't know for if they're not, uh, if they don't have cards and they don't perform, what are you going to do? So, yeah, well, look, Cunningham had a very poor shooting performance, 38% from the floor, but he still had 10 assists and 18 points. So he's that that's his job is to be the facilitator, to be the point guard, to be Luka Doncic Jr. And we'll see. You know, it's only his second season. I, I do think Cade has some investable properties as a prospect in this hobby. So I'm not I'm not going to go as far as you on Cade. It, I'll give you one other tidbit from this game. Kevin Knox uh, had three points in 13 minutes. Kevin Knox of 2018-19 Prism box art fame. It was Luka Doncic and Kevin Knox were the two players depicted on that Prism Hobby Box. Well, last night, Knox's rookie Prism Black in a BGS9 slab. What do you think it sold for, Jesse? Uh, uh, it better be less than $500. How about that? $2,200 wow. for Kevin Knox, the, <laughs> the eighth man off the Detroit Pistons bench, a reclamation project twice over already in the NBA. That's $2,200. $2,200. Well, I mean, you know what? I'm happy to hear that there's movement in, and you don't have to be like the overly hyped guy for that movement. Um, and that's, again, my Kate Cunningham take is purely off of 
this is the, the episode where we go absolute crazy and none of these things are any true. But if we're just basing off of week one, those are my thoughts. Speaking of Luca, though, Luca, Luca, LeBron, job ja, mate. Some of these guys who were like at some points last year, I was like, I don't know. It's it's getting less fun, even though Ja, ja did look really well for most of the season. And Luca did too, a lot of it. But man, they all came out swinging. I was very happy. And as a Luca fan that you are, I, I figured you were pretty happy as well. I was, uh, but you know, look, I think generally speaking, the public has the Luca, how good of shape is he in thing all wrong. Okay. <laughs> and they're wrong it. again this year. Yeah. The theory this year is that always oh, finally in shape this year. No, he's not. He was, he had his hands on his knees. He was bent over in the third quarter gasping for breath. He, to- he totally exhilarated himself in the first half. He had 20 or 20 something points. He was magnificent. But in the second half, as soon as the sun started throwing some traps at him, as soon as, you know, they, they started pressuring him, bring the ball up the court the whole way. And they started going at him on defense. He ran out of gas early in the third quarter, his last bucket until he started scoring at the end of the game, in the end of the fourth quarter, his last bucket was with 10 minutes to go in the third quarter. There's a huge stretch of that game where he was not productive offensively and it hurt the team. Now, overall, you look at a stat line, it was like 35, nine and six or something. It's, it's a very impressive, big, beefy stats, but they ended up losing the game and they lost by two. Luca got a technical, which gave them one free points. And, you know, if he could just, have, if, if his endurance was a little bit better, you know, if he could have been more present for more of the plays in the third quarter, I, that game never gets to where it got in terms of the Suns making a 22 point comeback. And uh, Damian Lee making multiple heroic shots down the stretch, which if I were a Suns fan, I wouldn't bank on that happening again in the future. You know, I, so look, it's a mixed bag with Luka Jesse. You know, he's he's still the great player he always was, but man, he's also still not in elite condition. Okay, well, that's good for those who are considering investing in Luka. Um, can we talk about the the one guy that I am super high on? Do who do you think it is? Do you have any guesses? Give me like one or two clues. He he's been uh I don't want to be that insulted. Overweight for some time. Um that was a big thing people associated it's with Zion. him. It's Zion. it's Zion. I mean, he was like he looked really agile. He was like throwing his weight and in a good way. Like he was he's a big guy, but he performed very well based on like not only because I was thinking I I think he's looking good in this game, but then I went and looked at other people's opinions who actually know a lot about sports, and there this the consensus is he did better than just decent. But he can Zion's own words. He's I think he said in an interview like it was a decent starter performance and lots of room for improvement. If that's the attitude he has coming in with like the physicality of his game. I'm very excited for, for not only him, but the, the cards that uh, I would be like, I'd be investing in. Yes. Okay. So I think Zion's take is accurate. I think there is a lot of room for improvement, but it was more than sufficient to win the game. Remember Zion was being guarded by Ben Simmons, who is one of the best defensive players, one of the most versatile defensive players who is the type of, Defensive versatility that you need to guard Zion because he can guard him on the perimeter and he has the size and the strength to be able to guard him closer to the basket as well. And even with Simmons guarding him, he still managed to put up 25 points and get three assists and nine rebounds. 
So it was a nice performance by Zion. I agree there is a lot of room for improvement still in that performance. He was missing easy stuff at the rim, which tends to correct as he gets acclimated to the pace and the flow of the NBA game again. He was a plus 13 against a good Brooklyn Nets team that's still gelling. But the star of the show, in my opinion, was Brandon Ingram, who I had a big question mark about Brandon Ingram. He was special in the playoffs last year against the Suns. But how was he going to work when you have the McCollum, Valanchunas, and Zion mouths to feed on offense as well? And Ingram led the team in points with 28. He had a, he was a plus 24 in a plus minus. He also had seven rebounds and five assists. And he shot 59% from the floor. I thought Brandon Ingram is the buried lead of this particular game. He looks like he's going to be really special this year. Might even lead the team in points per game. So here's the thing. We talked a lot about our, our take as far as like their, their athletic ability goes, but any individuals that we discussed as far as like their cards that you'd actually invest in, because that that's where I have basically not been pushing that as much this episode or uh, the last couple episodes is because right now we, even despite my overall positivity of uh, how the market is headed uh, or how it's going to be, I do think that there needs to be caution as far as investing in uh, cards right now. And I don't really want to be the guy who said, go out and get this card um, because I think Zion's going to do well, just because I think he's going to do well. It still makes me a little nervous about uh, which card to suggest or anything like that. But I am curious your take on that. Okay. Well, when I joined this uh, stream and you were, you were just wrapping up, like uh, Jesse's wisdom corner or something. And <laughs> you were saying yep. that like, look, this hobby, you know, the thing that makes it so special is that it's so much fun. And that's the approach I would take. I would be surveying like one player that catches my eye is Jalen Green. I, I already, I already PC two active players. It's going to be difficult to add a third. So I, I don't know if I will, but Jalen Green is a really special exciting player. But it, it, what I would be looking for is I would be looking for a player who checks all the boxes that I want to check a player who I love to watch and root for a player who's going to be dominant in the, and in, in successful and win games and be part of a winning culture, or at least a player who's on an arc and a trajectory to get there sooner than later. Sports fandom is about feeling good and bad, but ultimately you want to feel good. You want, and feeling good comes from your team winning games. So I'll be looking at which players are which players would make me break out my credit card and buy a league pass subscription and watch all 82 of their games, pick up their cards along the way and root for them. Those are the players. I'm looking for players to buy cards of that just motivate me, inspire me to want to be a fan, to be a student of their story and okay. of their development. I like that. And, and, and Jesse, there's a lot of players who check those boxes potentially. Throw a lot me. Well, Zion, I mean, look, Zion Williamson, you know, it, it, when, it, look, when people make content, when they make TV shows, you know, in particular, they know that not every show is going to be a hit. So some shows, even if a show sucks, you still put it out because as an audience member, you have to make them appreciate the good ones by giving them bad ones too. You don't try to make bad episodes, but when the bad ones come out, they make the good ones feel even better when those ones come out too. Zion is that hot and cold to the highest degree in the NBA. He's got so much potential when he played nearly a full season 
he was like a, right outside of being an, an MVP consideration statistically. But then he gets hurt. He's got weight issues. Perhaps we don't know if he loves being on this team. We don't know if he's going to sign the extension. Then he signs the extension. You know, it's just such a hot and cold, such a ride. If Zion delivers and and lives up to the expectation, which the expectations are sky high, but if he meets his ceiling, he meets his potential, it's the ultimate payoff. It's a better payoff than anybody else doing it because of the highs and the lows. Not to mention the fact that Zion was like a renaissance for this hobby. It brought Zion pre-pandemic brought so many people back to this hobby. You know, Zion, Zion has it all. He's, he's really got an arc that's very collectible, assuming it pans out properly. I am so happy to hear you saying these things because it makes me, because I it wasn't just this episode. Go back and listen to previous ones. I've also said that the same thing as far as my my take on the investability of Zion, not just because I think his values are going to be good. I think he's just a fun watch, if nothing else. Um, anybody, any other uh, hot takes, uh, any other guys that you would say would be investable? Well, uh, you know, you can never, like, look, look, it, it's, you got Steph Curry and LeBron James still playing games. <laughs> you know, I would give anything to be able to watch even the tail end of Michael Jordan's career, who's, you know, my first and primary PC. Yes. So, you know, look, this is LeBron James still clearly has years left. Steph Curry and the Warriors have to be seen as a prohibitive favorite to at least come out of the West. I feel like why not get involved in the LeBron and or Steph Curry collecting world like the, these guys are the two highest ranking all-time greats in the sport that are active right now they're both you know curry's on a better team but like the, the lakers aren't as the lakers need some stuff to happen in order for them to salvage the season but it can happen anthony davis can stay healthy they can make some moves before the trade deadline and lebron is going to break kareem's record this year you know, I, as a newly minted season ticket holder of the Dallas Mavericks, I can't wait it. to watch LeBron come to the American Airlines Center. I already have circled the dates. He's coming at the end of February, and he's coming on December 25th. I can't wait to go to both of those games. You know, there, there's two other. Why not Steph Curry? Why not LeBron James? I mean, you can, you can literally buy league pass and watch two of the greatest of all time play 82 games. It doesn't get much better. Honestly, before when I was talking about, I think I mentioned um, uh, Credit Suisse is like a again that's a financial uh, company. They they do have investments, but they also provide some investment data and uh, analysis. And their thoughts were as far as collectibles go, being like uh, uh, two categories of one being low volatility risk, and then others being medium to high volatility. I do think that those like vintage, not, well, they're not vintage, but the solidified performers like Curry and like LeBron like these are going to be falling. I would consider those falling more into that category because as far as volatility and pricing goes, you're not going to see quite, I mean, you may see some pricing differentials, but you're not going to see the ups and downs that you're going to see in like, you know, Kate Cunningham or Evan Mobley or somebody like that. So uh, overall, my, 
my opinion would also be if you're putting, if you are going to invest a sizable portion of funds to anything, do something not only for someone you like and care about, just so if nothing else, you're, you're having a good time and enjoying what you get. But at the same time, you're doing it with someone who's kind of, there's, there's not a lot they could do to hurt themselves value wise uh, until they retire. So uh, yeah, I would agree. One more thing too about Curry and LeBron really quick. LeBron has 20 years worth of cards and Curry has like 12 or 13 years worth of cards for the collectors out there who love to find undiscovered gems, find, you know, that niche product, that third year select parallel that just really, you know, pops off the screen or, or, you know, that, that, you know, fourth year LeBron Bowman Chrome gold that has amazing photography. Like there, there's so much to dive into collector wise, yes. hobby wise that those guys have because their card offerings are so large. Thank you, Chris McGill for joining us for this segment. Do you have time? There's a few mailbag questions that were geared specifically towards you. Would you be open to staying on a few more minutes for those? Oh yeah, let's go. Before we do this, let's just take a break for a little nonsense, okay? I mean, we've it's been so much non-nonsense because I feel like I have to provide I don't want to say like I'm worried about Mike listening, but he gets in my head. His little comments, even though I could read 20 positive comments and then he makes one comment where it's like you know, it's not even being mean. He's just like, you know, this could be worked on or something. That's all I hear in my head. Um, and I've been trying my best not to do any nonsense this whole time, but I got to tell you, it's rough. I like it, like it, it exudes out of my, my being. I need to make a, a weird joke or like a weird sound effect like that. That alone, okay. That I can't tell you how much better I feel. Like well, the, sports cards nonsense. We did the first two. It's Can one we get third. Thirty-three percent of this show should be. Oh, that's what I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. A couple of sound effects in there. Not big deal. I don't want to make this whole thing about nonsense at this point. But um, do you have any good jokes? Any good uh, jokes you wanted to tell? Any good jokes? Yeah, I got one. Yeah, let's hear it. All right. Uh, What do you call a girl with uh, no arms on a swing? A girl with no arms on a swing. Uh Uh-huh. I don't know. Sarah. Knock, knock. Who's there? Not Sarah. Nat. (laughs) Okay, there we go. Two-part delivery. Nice. That's a nice. that's a two-parter. My daughter has been telling that joke lately, and I just... Your daughter? How old's your yeah, daughter? She's eight, going on 40. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah she, she's a silly kid. All right. I guess that's enough nonsense now. <laughs> There's going to be so many comments of, of that joke. I apologize. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. 
Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. One last thing before we get into mailbag. Do want to point out that our winners of week 24 for the So Rare contest, where again, you guys have the opportunity to win not only World Series tickets, that was this last week, that competition is still going on, but you can't enter it anymore. Um, but there are week 26 just open. You can set your lineups now. Uh, winners of that are going to get signed autograph authentic jerseys for first and second place and a signed autograph ball for second, uh, third place. Again, thank you to So Rare. This is a huge competition. Uh, the winners for week 24, uh, the name was Aliski, Buzzoro, and Samuchi23. I don't know those uh, pronunciations are accurate, but I feel like I got pretty close. Anyways, huge shout out to So Rare again. And uh, last week of the MLB competition is... Uh, this next week, but you have to be signed up by Tuesday at uh, 12 o'clock. So thank you guys again. And now mailbag from the Facebook, a number of comments and questions today. A lot of them we've kind of already covered. Uh, Keith Alfred, thank you for the Palo question. Um, we've, I think we've covered that nicely. I hope you enjoyed it as well. Uh, as far as, Let's go to Steph Curry. Um, Justin Kyle Rabon? Rabon? I don't know. What's the best slash smartest Steph Curry buy right now to start building an NBA PC around him? We kind of basically just talked about it, but did I am curious, and not to put you on the spot, do you have anything you might recommend? Look at Curry rookies. Like It's very tempting to get attached to cards over the last five years or so. I find myself doing this. You know, it's very tempting to do that because that's the stuff that's front and center. It's the stuff that breakers are breaking. It's the stuff that's the brands are well familiar with, you know, but Curry's rookie offering is incredibly limited. It came in the year 2009. It was the final year that non Panini companies were able to produce NBA licensed cards so you've got this interesting tops chrome and you know panini dynamic going on unfortunately there was no prism but you still had some of the other panini brands like brown and uh you know look look at 
Curry's rookie offering. That that's what I would say on Curry cards. 2009-10 Curry cards. There are still some really nice cards, some on-card autographs, some really nice Curry cards from his rookie year that are being overlooked, but I think stand the test of time. Bam. Thank you for that. Uh Brian Schoem, member of our fantasy football league. Uh, he has a question for you about your thoughts on private signing slash in-person uh, auto valuation predictions over time. What are your thoughts about that version of the auto? This is something that won't go away. Uh, and, you know, I am not a huge fan of it. my personal take as a collector. I only own one in-person autograph or one aftermarket autograph. It is, it's, it's a prism base card of Luca that Christina and myself got signed when we watched him play against the Clippers during his rookie year. That card has a sentimental value to me because we actually got him to sign it. But, you know, my personal beliefs notwithstanding, there are enough people fighting hard enough for it who believe enough in it that in-person autograph on iconic rookie cards, whether it's Hall of Famers and all-time greats or even modern players, the market for those things has become much more robust than it used to be. People like it. People want it, especially if there's inscriptions involved or other things that make the card unique and even you know more that set it apart from other in-person autographs. There's no denying that there is a market for this, and that market is very organic. It's a market that just was made. On, you know, it was made by the new participants coming into the hobby who said, "I don't care." if the hobby didn't really love these that much before, I think this is cool. And enough people have come in and, and felt that way and believe that, that we're even seeing, you know, in person, Justin Herbert prism cards, you know, outselling their equivalent grade of the base, which, which might not have happened, you know, half a decade ago. I understand that Herbert's rookie from only a few years ago, but the point stands is that the, this stuff in person autograph cards have picked up steam. And it do, it doesn't look like it's going away. And I say that as somebody who's not a huge fan of them myself. It, there definitely is is an organic demand and movement supporting those cards. It looks like it's going to play out pretty well long term. It is interesting that autograph stuff has come up uh, lately. And then you there was like that news with Beckett too. They're kind of following SGC's uh, footsteps as far as like they don't they won't grade an auto less than a ten at this point. Um, I, my issue with in-person autos is just the, I guess, fraud being one of the biggest issues when it comes to the, to investing in collectibles, not just like sports cards, just overall in general, any, you know, financial advisor will tell you if you are diversifying your portfolio into collectibles, that's what you have to be leery of. And even though there are a lot of these in-person autos that get, you know, the authentication papers to go with them. I don't know if I always trust those, you know, like it's not like they haven't already been proven uh, on individual cases to be fraudulent at some times. But my thing is like, I like an inscription. I think that's really cool, especially like, you know, when Tom Brady numbers a card of his that he signed, like, I think that is kind of like, I mean, not only just from uh, a collector of someone who's a goat, but also just an investor point of view. I mean, that that's really cool. But at the same time, if there's not like some kind of, proof that he did it like a picture of him signing it or anything like that just someone saw the signature and was like yep that looks pretty you know pretty darn close to what he always signs we're gonna mark that approved you know that's where i have 
an issue with the in-person. So take that or leave it. Um, uh, we have a couple other questions for you. Um, a little shade throwing by, uh, your boy, Tim, uh, Tim, Tim had a question. Uh, what is it like to be on the same court as Tim? Were you nervous or starstruck? Uh, both very nervous and very starstruck. Tim is, uh, you know, he could have gone to the NBA, uh, had a few things broken his way. So to even share a court with slab strong, Tim is an honor and privilege, uh, you know, beyond all possible, uh, imagination. <laughs> yep. It's Absolutely. A, it's a real pleasure. I, um, I don't know why Tim felt the need to really push, push into the, the mailbag segment with that. I'm glad he did though, because here's the thing. I'm going to go ahead and ask it. Mike wants to know how you feel about the influencer of the year award being thrown towards sports cards. Nonsense. I am thrilled that you guys won. It's very, <laughs> very, do you know, look in this hobby, man, we have influencers, uh, but they're not sports card influencers. They're just, they're celebrities who just so happen to be involved in the hobby. Uh, so it's nice to see people who are professionals and, you know, deeply entrenched in the hobby win the award. With that said, here we go. Now you guys have the platform to say what you want to say about influencers in sports cards. Because what is an influencer? An influencer, by some definitions, is a person who uses perceived authority or expertise to sell products to people. Yes. And I, I just, I think you guys and, and most of the people I follow in this hobby are better than that. Yep. I think that there's, that there's authenticity and that there's, there's a clear separation between authentic content creators versus people who just want to be popular so that they can make money and sell things. So, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the influencer of the year concept. A lot of people were trolling me saying that they were going to, you know, try and troll vote me to win it. I'm glad <laughs> that didn't happen. And I'm glad that you guys won it because, look, you know, that you guys now have the platform to show what an influencer can and should be. Yeah, we want to change the definition. But here's the, here's the real truth of it. And we talked a little bit about it after we got back from Vegas a couple of weeks ago that was a complete shock. Like we, you know, they, they tell the people who win something a little bit beforehand. We had heard we won podcast of the year. That was great. We were really excited about that. Um, the whole influencer thing, when we first found out about the whole voting thing, we had made, I made a post on the Facebook group. I was just like, Hey, by the way, guys, uh, if you, if you like what you're here, whatever, go out and vote us. And I had put, I like, cause there were categories, um, like in the screenshot and said, you know, podcast or whatever. And I said, vote us there. But then there was also influencer. I was like, vote us there too. Why not? I, I made some kind of joke about it or something. Um, in the like 30 minutes that was up, there were so many comments of like how that's such a bad thing. Basically to your point of like influencer is basically a shill for, uh, the thing. And I realized like, oh, I, as someone who has not been in the card world as long as like maybe the guys who have been here five, 10, 15, 30 years, whatever the case, I view influencer as like someone who you can go to for 
a, a source of news or something or a source of content around that, not necessarily someone who's just trying to get me to do what they say or ask. Um, and so when I saw those comments, I immediately took down the post and put it back up with just, hey, if you like what you're hearing, vote for podcast. It said nothing of influencer ever again after that. And then Mike, of course, his take on it was very similar to the sense of like, yeah, you don't want to be voted influencer uh, as far as like the, the look and attitude of people who hear that word. They're basically on the same page as you. So our take on winning it is awesome that we're we are so excited. We're happy to do it. We just hope that it's not like people under their breath are just like, oh boy, these guys are just telling me what to do or tell me what to buy, or they're trying to shill some card or whatever the case may be. We never want to be that. And we're hoping, like you said, we can maybe change the outlook of what people view influencers as. So that's, that's our overall take. I'm sure Mike has several other comments he'd throw in if you were here, but he's not, he's watching Mises. That's the plural of moose. Um, all right. I think we are going to wrap up this segment. Wait, wait, wait. No, no comments from Will Jordan. I know he's my biggest fan in the, uh, in the sports card nonsense. Do you actually, did you see a Will Jordan question in there? Cause I don't see a Will Jordan. I didn't see a question for this episode, but almost every time before I come on, there's Mr. always Jordan a Will Jordan question expresses a certain opinion about me. And I just, I, I always want at least one negative, like hit me with something. Negative. Someone could say a negative thing about Chris. Ho- what is Hoge? By the way, your last name is McGill, but people call you Chris Hoge online. I love that. It's become its own thing. And the origin story is lost. But uh, Hoge just is an abbreviation of House of Jordans, which was a Michael Jordan basketball card podcast from many years ago now. I feel like I should have known that because I, of course, have heard of House of Jordan. But, man, um, well, now we know that. And there is no I double check. There's no Will Jordan question for you. I'm so, so sorry about that. But. Um, the good news is that all the comments were very positive and I, uh, the bad news is I can't give you anything negative to, to well, go oh, home I would with. like to point out one thing. It's card ladder with a two, oh, yeah. D's, two D's, not two T's. That yes. is okay. Obviously you did look through some of the questions beforehand, yeah, you little jerk. Um, now there were actually other questions for you too, but now that I'm realizing the time it's, I'm, I'm already over time and I thought I was going to be done in 45 minutes. So thank you immeasurably Chris McGill slash Chris Hoge of card ladder for joining us. Uh, We look forward to next month. We look forward to more market analysis. And of course the ever growing love of NBA that you will instill in me and others as they listen. So thank you. Thank you for having me, Jesse. All right, bud. Well, there you go, people. I don't, I don't really know how to end this other than, you know, saying the, the taglines that Mike always throws out there. But really, I want to say thank you to you for listening. I'm not going to end this with a sappy love story of how rags to riches, Dell boy to sports card podcast. I've, I've been in the last couple of years, but it's been an absolute pleasure. And to be able to do this podcast solo and not absolutely freak out like I would have probably in the first six months to a year of doing this, uh, we're almost done with two years and it's very, very cool. It wouldn't, we wouldn't be here without you guys, without you listeners. So 
Sometimes when I make a faux pas, when I make a statement that I feel very confident in and you're rolling your eyes because you realize how stupid it was, thank you for bearing with me and continuing to let it roll off your back until I uh, find out how uh, stupid I was in the comment section on any social media. But uh, in all seriousness, you guys do provide great feedback. Um, I can't say how much uh, it means to me that you guys take the time to say not only the positive things, but maybe things I can continue to work on. Um, And that's it. Mike's probably already lost his mind. The fact that I'm talking this long. Oh, and one last shout out last before we hit you with the brought to you by the ringer powered by Spotify, uh, Spotify outro Carlos Chiraboga. Can you, can you unmute? Oh, guys, we, we lost Mike, our producer. Um, he was great. We love, you all know, we love Mike. Mike, uh, has a very busy schedule with NFL. We have a new producer as of today, Carlos. I just want to introduce you. How do you pronounce your last name, man? Uh, Chiraboga. Chiraboga. Occasionally we are going to ask you a completely random question that you weren't prepared for. It'll have something to do hopefully with sports, but maybe it doesn't. Are you okay with being on the podcast for like two seconds and like two word answers or anything like that? Yeah, for sure. Oh man. So you're, when you produce this and you edit it, you're not cutting this segment out, right? Uh, Definitely not. Welcome Carlos to the podcast, essentially third man in maybe fourth on occasion, but man, it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you all for listening. The ringer has powered sports cards, nonsense podcast. No brought to you by the ringer powered by Spotify. I almost had it. I almost had it. Thank you for listening. We'll be back. Mike will be back on the show on Monday. Enjoy your weekend. I love you. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.